0: Hey, Kevin here, just checking in to say that we are less than one month away from new episodes of Philly Who. We cannot wait to share these stories that we are currently receiving and crafting here in your podcast feed. In the meantime, we are revisiting some of the most popular episodes of this podcast from its first three years. And today we are revisiting the story of Chill Moody, who is an incredible independent hip hop artist here in Philly. He has done so much for the music scene. And as you'll hear, he is our certified purveyor of nice things. So please enjoy the story of Chill Moody. <laughs> Yo, these, are,
1: these are essay questions. These are not <laughs> rapid fire questions. You got, the there. End, you got me. You got me. is the end of the SATs where it's like, I thought I was done. I told you what? it was a dumb name. <laughs> I got four questions left. Oh, this took two hours. Oh. <laughs> <gasps> You're listening to Philly
0: Who, the podcast that tells the stories of the doers, thinkers, and performers of Philadelphia. In this episode, I'm chatting with Chill Moody, a Philadelphia hip-hop artist, entrepreneur, and activist. Chill has released two rap albums, and he has quite a few accolades around Philadelphia. Philly Magazine has named him Best Rapper in their annual Best of Philly issue. He's been named Philadelphia's official music ambassador by Councilman David O., And he's also the first ever rapper to perform at Philadelphia's City Hall. But that's not all he does. Chill also runs a lifestyle brand called Nice Things, which includes a clothing line, a consulting firm, a record label, and even an IPA. Which you should definitely try, if anything, because the can has a picture of him on the front riding a shark. How badass is that? In this episode, Chill is going to tell us about what it was like in West Philly, to start his
1: rap career and how it took him a while to find his own voice. Lyrically, it was it was good enough to listen to, but after the first couple, you know, I shot somebody and whatever, whatever you hearing, and he's like, "Yo, chill, this ain't really you. Like, you gotta you gotta tell your story."
0: We'll also talk about the pull that young artists feel to move to New York or LA to launch their career
1: and why he decided to stay in Philly. But when people ask me early in the game, like, you know, you know, you got to leave Philly to make it when you're leaving. And I'm like, we from Philly. Like, why do I got to leave? Shouldn't have to leave here to make it. This Philly should count. And we'll talk about the things Chill's doing to make Philly count and bring Philly back to the top of the music industry. Philly artists, and I'll, I'll speak for the for the hip hop community. We got a lot to unlearn about how to succeed. All this and much more right now on Philly Who. I'm your
0: host, Kevin Schmidlin. And thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned. Just a heads up, there is a little bit of cursing in this episode, in case that's not your thing. So Chill Moody, like another famous Philadelphia rapper, is West Philadelphia born and raised. He actually went to the same high school that Will Smith and Wilt Chamberlain went to at Overbrook. But for Chill, it all started before high school, making beats with his cousins. Joe was raised a family man and he attributes the man that he is today to his grandfather, Roy Lee
1: Spencer Jr. It just inspired me as a, as a man to just be family oriented. You know, the fam always congregated at his house. You know, that's that was that was the spot. You had to go. You we used, used at Poppy and Granny's house. Like that, that was the that was the move. And even still, you know, we're, we're still on that block, still around our neighborhood. Um, so that stressing the importance of family um, molded me as a man and molded me as a musician because, um, you know, I wanted to make my cousins proud of me when I when I first started rapping and make my mom proud. And, you know, my family was huge supporters and always, you know, kept them close. So um, I, I can attest that to her.
0: Yeah, so is it true that—you mentioned your cousins. Is it true that you got started in hip-hop by trying to be your cousin's manager? Yeah, um,
1: a roundabout, in a roundabout way, yeah. I always wrote, always had raps, um, but wanted to be an A&R. I wanted to be a manager. I wanted to, you know—I I enjoy telling someone's story. I enjoy the co-sign and be like, yo, check this out. And then, you know, when you go check it out, you hit me back like, yeah, you was right or— I love when you go to a barber like yo chill told me to order the such and such like I always like thrived off the cosign. Um so like I said I always wrote, always had raps, but uh I was trying to manage my cousin Boogie and I'm like yeah, I'm, you know, we're going to get it popping, whatever whatever. And he's like, "Yo, why don't you just rap with me? Like you can rap too. Like why don't you just rap?" And I was like, "All right, whatever." So we just started rapping together. Um yeah, does, that, that's kind of how Boogie I, still rap? Yeah, yeah, Boogie, Boogie Mandela um still one of the best rappers out here um to this day like you know I, I put a stamp on him as at a young age not just because he was my cousin um because I got other cousins that tried at rapping too and my family is not a lot of not, not I ain't gonna say not a lot there are zero like yes men in my family like nobody's gonna co-sign something if it's not legit and that's what took me a while to really get started and um get my grounding in it because early on I was lying in my raps so I was you know I shot this, I sold that and you know all of that and it, lyrically it was it was good enough to listen to but after the first couple, you know, I shot somebody and whatever whatever you are hearing and it's like yo chill this ain't really you like you got to you got to tell your story um and you know these are words coming from my older cousins and I'm like well I got to listen to them cuz they're the reason I'm doing this um so just had to switch that up and start telling like, you know, my story.
0: Yeah. Did you found did you find that it Felt different then when you were actually telling your story through the rap, than yeah, when yeah, you're yeah. trying to tell a different it, it one. It felt
1: like way more of a release. It became way more therapeutic, and I I fell in love with the performing of the music because of that. Because it's like now I'm now I'm not just out here rapping and impressing people with you know the clever punchlines and stuff, which was good, but I'm doing that and I'm telling them about myself. I'm giving you a piece of myself. I'm I'm able to you know tell stories that no other way i'd be able to tell you know through this music so i'm like all right i like it better this way did you find it hard to open up no not at all yeah it, it, it's not it's not that hard to really open up um it's actually easier it's just like go live some life come back write it down go record it go live more you know what I mean like so it's, it's just been that cycle cycle it was it was actually harder when i'm I got to think of clever stories to create and you know um fictitious things to say just because you know it was clever I'm like you know I'm I'm actually thinking on that like I'm actually you know trying where it's yeah. like this is not saying it's effortless, but it's like, you know, it's it just comes natural, second nature.
0: Wow. That's that's a, I think there's a lot of songwriters out there or budding, aspiring songwriters who who need to hear that. Uh, because I know a, a few people who say, man, I would love to write songs. But, you know, every time I write my stuff down, it just feels so infantile. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think people are going to like
1: it. But it sounds like it's actually easier. Yeah, it's just a conversation. Like, or, if you're saying that, you're saying, I don't think people are like when I talk to them. So I'm never going to talk to anybody. It's like, nah, I just put this conversation to a beat like you know what, what do you want to get out there yeah that's awesome so you started making music in your dad's basement yeah the first time I rec- the first recordings actually it was in my mom's basement our first recordings um I just know I bought a lot of studio equipment freshman year of college um like an interface and got a new computer and all of that because um Citibank was handing out credit cards Oh. <laughs> uh, so I copped up on two of those yeah. bought mad studio <laughs> equipment. Out, like, yeah.
0: like nothing, like
1: candy. Yeah, they had free t-shirts and credit cards. I was like, Yep, sign me up for both. <laughs> um Yeah. And bought a lot of studio equipment then. But I, I remember recording before that because we had recorded raps when I was in high school. But you know, just fast forward freshman year of college, mom would dry clothes in the basement sometimes. So we had clothing wires. And I didn't have a mic stand. I had none of that type of stuff. So we would hang the mic from the clothes wire, almost like a you know, Mama said, knock you out. <laughs> you know, the the, the <laughs> announcer, Michael Buffer, mic coming down or whatever over the top of your head. So we had that. But uh, fast forward to my, my dad's basement it was when I got the when I got Cubase and we was chopping beats and you know I I was I was the engineer and the artist and all of that. Um, those days were good. Those those really good days, especially because like, like my dad's basement also has a bar. You know, it's Moody's Clubhouse. So it's a bar on a on a, I guess the opposite side of where the studio room was. So there'd be studio, there'd be party, and like it was oh, just man. it was it was the That's life, the dream. Age. Yeah, we, we, we was we was loving it. That's cool.
0: So what was the path between that and your first album R F M?
1: We did the Ill Chill project, which was the first project I recorded fully at my dad's basement. From there, one of the songs got picked up on the radio. Um, Well, about four of the songs from the album got picked up on the radio, but the first song I ever had on the radio was called Hip Hop Don't Fade Away. We recorded that at my dad's basement. What was Um, that like when your music was on the radio for the first time? So the first four times I was played on the radio, it was four different songs, and I didn't hear them because I was at the radio like doing interviews or premiering them on the radio so I didn't get that feeling of like yo I'm on the radio to like my fifth joint and I was like you know I've been on the radio now but it was that um it was that moment we was all at my cousin's house and the song came on and I don't know my brother or somebody was like y'all just gonna play this chill music all night y'all gonna play chill all night like as a joke and they like we're not playing this this on the radio and I'm like oh, they playing me on the radio right now? Cause like, usually you would know, like, you know, they call me up for an interview and we play the music or, you know, they tell me in advance or whatever, whatever. So this was like rotation. Like this was just like a DJ was filling and there was a joint that hadn't been played. It was a song called Shooting for the Stars. Um, and they just played it. And I was just like, yo, I didn't even know they had that one. Like, this is, this is dope. Um, you know, everybody's singing the words and, and all of that. So that was, that was, that was a really, really dope moment for me.
0: So, so let's talk about you being an independent artist. So is that something that you've always wanted to maintain, that you wanted to stay independent? Is that a decision that you made at one point where you're just like, it's now or never, no, I'm going to do things myself?
1: It was just more like the hand that I was dealt. And, you know, I was my backs to the wall, you know, is it's either focus all your energy on trying to gain the attention of someone else specifically or just do everything you got to do and get everybody's attention at once so it's like i'm just gonna keep working and you know if you if a, if a major comes up and you know they want a partner or something like that we can do that um but i you know i've taken mad label meetings and it's just the the terms um have never been like what interest you know where where, where i saw myself you know is you gotta give up some of your creativity in some cases and things like that. And that's you know, those are compromises I'm not willing to take and or make, should I say. Um, so the independence wasn't like the the choice, but it was just like let's go. It's like, just you that's just that's just not what's happening. Yeah, I'm not I'm not running from that. Um, but I never, you know, was one to be like, I'm not inviting other people and it was just like it just got to make sense for how i see this going
0: yeah yeah so when you see the terms
1: did any of the labels want you to leave philly uh not specifically you know but you know people period was like when you leaving like coming up even still to this day people's like yo when are you leaving and i and i do understand more now than i did then but when people ask me early in the game like you know you know, you gotta leave Philly to make it when you're leaving and I'm like we from Philly like why do I gotta leave this is a music mecca like shouldn't have to leave here to make it this Philly should count and enough people didn't see that to where I took it upon myself to make Philly count I'm like I'm gonna stand here put these 10 toes down and I'm, I'm going I'm gonna make it so Philly counts and I talk about this 80 point theory um where it's like you know LeBron can score 80 at the Wells Fargo one night, and then score 80 at the Garden the next night, and for some reason that 80 counts more because at the Garden, You know what I mean, it's like that shouldn't be like 80 points. 80 points, you know. I was selling out the TLA at the same time Kendrick was selling out SOBs. SOBs holds 250, TLA holds 1500, so it's like it's it's weighted in a weird way, and um, I'm like. I could just go and just do it up in New York and do it the, you know, the way these guys are doing it but it's like why not just make it here so the next chill movie doesn't have to leave it's a choice not an inevitability you know you having to leave so labels per se weren't like yo you gotta leave but people even to this day are like yeah you gotta go and like I said I, I didn't really understand it then now I understand it a little better what they, what they meant what their intentions were with saying that. Um, it wasn't a, a discredit to Philly. Um, Philly got A-level talent, but we got like D-level industry. Um, there's no buildings here. There's no there's no record labels here. You know, so I'm like, all right, I'll build that here. But we used to have it. Yeah, and we used to. So I'm I'm thinking of yesteryear or whatever, and um and used to is 20 years ago. It's not like not long. 15 years ago. I mean, it ain't like 40 years ago. It used to be like nah. Like we just was, you know. Just so happens, like, something happened along the way and studios start shutting down and they start putting condos in them. But, like, before, like, as I was coming up, like, that that's not how it was. Um, but on the flip side of that, taking these trips to L.A., you know, ever so often. I've, I've been out, like, three times this year already. Um, being in New York, I've been in New York twice this week, just, just going up and getting into the little, little pieces of it. I noticed that it's uh, accelerated program should i say like it's it's a being in new york for a month can equate to like a year in some places depending on what you're really doing and how how forward you are with your movement um so i do get get it in that sense but i can do that in increments and still bring it back here
0: yeah so looking looking back let's say you know there's more up-and-coming artists who also wanna be like you and you know put the 10 toes in Philly and represent and, and bring
1: Philly back to mm-hmm. where it was, what do you recommend for them? Uh you gotta really care. You gotta really, really give a fuck and wanna do it, like cause it's not easy. Um and there's no blueprint for it. So you gotta kinda like I mean, I'm I'm setting what I believe to be or is gonna be the, the blueprint for it, and um building some institutions and you know, things like being a Philly music ambassador and um, some of the some of the platforms that I've built that are able to run not you run without me. I could pass those on and things like that. So I'm I'm laying a foundation, um, but it's just so much that I'm learning on the job, you know, that it's not going to be as easy um, as if, you know, you were in L.A. and you, like you knew. I go to this building at this stage, and then when I'm at this stage, I perform at this venue, and then, like, it's a blueprint at other places. And Philly is not necessarily a blueprint, so it's not going to be as easy. So the advice would be, like, no, ahead of time, it's not going to be easy. And, and work, you know, knowing that, keep that keep that with you. Gotcha.
0: So in an interview with Philly PR Girl, and correct me if I'm wrong, you said you can't take over the world if you don't win at home first. You have to have your city behind you. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. At what moment did you know that this city was behind you?
1: Uh, hmm. It's a lot of, di- cause it's a lot of pockets of the city. So it's like, you gotta get the full city. And I mean, I can honestly say I'm still fighting for the full. You know what always, I mean? Always will be. Yeah. I mean. But you, you, you should always be because, um, you know, it's always something new. It's always a new pocket jumping up and you, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta grab them. Um, I was the first hip-hop artist to perform at city hall like ever wow um at that moment i was like all right that like i can do something with this like that's that's a, a accolade that no one can take from me that no one you know we got greats in this city and no one had grabbed that yet so it's like all right city got my back a little bit if if if, if i was the one chosen to do that yeah. um to to have that you know, in the in the record books or the history books or whatever, my name's there in, in that sense. Uh so I think it was it was that moment. Selling out the TLA was definitely a moment where I knew like, you know, I had the city behind me because it was so many familiar faces in there, so many people I didn't know, so many people still talk about that show. Um and it wasn't like it wasn't a thing that unsigned artists were doing at that time. Um, you know. I can't, I can't think of, you know, independent artists. I mean, since then, people have done it. But, like, prior to, it was few and far between, like, completely independent, you know, no, you know, no under table deals with Atlantic where they really was pushing it for you to get there. Like, it was right. completely in I can't remember, you know, of artists doing those things. It was a lot of opening a lot of those doors for artists to come and throw their own showcases in, in some of these bigger buildings, as opposed to renting out the venue and having to pay, you know, the TLA, you know, that big chunk of money yeah. up front. It's like, no, y'all can work out a deal. I did it. Like, I yep. can bring y'all in on that too. Like, yeah, those those were those were moments where it's like, all right, the, the city, yeah, got my back a little bit.
0: So you're you're bringing your involvement beyond just being behind the mic you mm-hmm. you've created your own label yeah nice, nice things, things music
1: nice things music yep so where does that name come from nice things uh came from my cousins uh when i was i mean we've been saying nice things since i was like 10 that's that was just like part of part of their slang um they came up listening to a lot of wu-tang a lot of mob deep and you know these guys had their own slang had their own vernacular um vocab or whatever so nice things was just something that i adopted or adapted from them um so when hip-hop start picking up and you know i'm doing more interviews and i'm talking to more people and i'm saying you know yeah like yeah we did a lot of nice things last night they like what are you talking about like or i'll be like yeah yeah you know interview things like you know whatever you know we had some beers whiskey things going on or whatever and they can't follow up and they're like what are you talking about and i'm like well that's just how we talk we say nice things all the time um and then when I started building a brand, I had to find a way to make sure Chill Moody was protected but also kept separate from any of the other ventures I, I, I jumped into um, because I didn't want any of your feelings, whether good or bad, on Chill Moody to reflect on the brand. So if you if you hate a song that I end up putting out, I don't want that to make you then hate this beer because, oh, I don't like Chill Moody. It's like, no, I love nice things. Everybody deserves nice things, you know. So so that was how how how, how that kind of, like, started. Because i just always seen the bigger picture. It had to be a brand, um, you know, starting a label. I couldn't have Chill Moody Records because other rappers, I'm still going to be an artist, other rappers might not be willing to jump under that type of umbrella. But if it's nice things and it's, you know, I paint the picture of this, the bigger picture, this bigger umbrella that we're all under, it doesn't matter that you know I'm happy to be CEO there. It's just not we're all under Nice Things, and everybody will be treated. Yeah, you know I mean accordingly. At the end of the day, life, Nice Things is a lifestyle brand. I want everything that you do in your day to be Nice Things. Whether it's you know the beer you drink, the sneakers you wear, the music you listen to, it should somehow, some way, be Nice Things. I'm working on this Nice Things network, um, just a big content network housing podcast, you know, video content um you know the interviews with artists that some platforms can't get um I can definitely get because you know I'm friends with these artists I can get a a better story than you know the typical so what inspires you and nothing wrong with those questions but like you already know that because they asked it already like you know what about the what about tell me about Roy? Like what about those things? Like what about those questions that people never have asked me in my entire life? Like I I can do that with with artists as well. So it's like, all right, let's 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 put this network together. Yeah.
0: So it sounds like the essence for me of nice things is
1: to to appreciate. Appreciate whatever you have in your life as as nice things, whether I uh, say whether you got a Bentley or a bus bus pass, if you if you getting where you gotta go and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, that like that's nice things. Like, you know, you 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 working towards those goals. It's not about the end result. It's just about the work. It's just about the, the life, the life. the enjoying of it is 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 nice things. Yeah.
0: So at South by Southwest at the mm-hmm. Amplify Philly House, you were on a panel and I remember you saying one of the things that you try to remember is don't get excited. Yeah. How do you how do you balance appreciating the nice things, being ambitious and doing all these, you know, things that nobody's done before
1: and not getting excited? Like those are it's it's become so easy to me, it's scary. Yeah. People, you know, and I don't want to say it in like a a cocky way, but people like often like give a lot of praise to a lot of the things that I'm doing. Um a lot of it is groundbreaking and you know it's no other hip-hop beer no other hip-hop artist has a beer some hip-hop artists has vodkas and cognacs or whatever but right. even in that sense they didn't make make those things right. they bought those companies which is you know no disrespect to them you got the money to do it go ahead and do it if i did i'd probably do the same but being able to say i, I put my hands in this you know i made this beer you know i helped make the beer should i say um it's just i don't know it's just it's just different so it's like I understand that, but at the same time, you know that was a that was a collaboration. At the same time, you know I got a video on MTV, but I could I could own MTV. I, you know, it could be my network, it could be my brewery, it could be. So it's like I, in, in my mind, I feel like excitement breeds contentment. I'm not trying to grow content with anything that I'm doing, so I do take some time to. You know, the guy told me to smell each rose on the way up, so at, at sometimes I do that not enough and I, I can honestly say to a fault i I just breeze past stuff sometimes to the point where when you ask me about certain stuff i gotta reminisce and i'm like oh yeah that was dope like i did yeah. i never got a chance to even think about because I, I was on to the next every single step of the way it's helped me but you know it is a hindrance at sometimes because it's like you just grow numb to what you're doing um and I think it's because, like, I, I never want to come off as, like, a braggadocious-type person. So it's it's a thin line between promotion and and being braggadocious. So it's like, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'll tell you what's going on. But I'd rather you tell the story than me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, it's, but, it's know, a challenge. It's for a challenge. OG told me, you know, the main thing. He always would say that main thing. Don't get excited. And you take it how you want to take it. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the thing about gems that the old heads give you is, is always left to interpretation yeah. um and application you know depending on your path and for me that don't get excited that's that's yeah how it resonated with me. Sounds
0: like a constant balance. Yeah you know? appreciate the nice things. Yeah appreciate yeah. what you got but always well, be don't looking get, ahead. Don't get excited. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So you mentioned your beer. You have the nice things IPA, correct? With Dock Street Brewery. Where did this come
1: from? How did you get? How did you get into brewing a beer? The, the story goes, I met uh, Vince, who was the lead brewer at Dock Street at the time. Um, he had made a beer called Dock Street Beer, ain't nothing to funk with. It was a Wu Tang homage. They had a Chardonnay barrel. They had a Wu Tang brand on there, um, like a big branded W on there, um, engraved in the in the in the barrel. They aged the saison in this Chardonnay barrel and played Wu Tang music off a of Spotify playlist for twenty four seven for six months. So it aged listening to the Wu Tang. <laughs> I thought that was the coolest shit. That's so cool. Ever so I go. I went to the release party. Um, met met Vince there. Told him you know like this is amazing. Um, and we just hit it off. So we was talking about beer and you know he was teaching me about some things. But you know we both had this love for hip hop, so we talking about that. And I met the owner that night, Rose. And I was just like, yo, I want to make a beer with y'all. Um, you know, but I don't want to like, don't just put my face on it or do it as an homage with, you know, playing my music into it or whatever, whatever, all that's cool. But I want to make a beer with y'all. And she looked at me, she's like, who the hell are you? And I'm like, oh, my I'm chill. It, you know, went through all of that. Turned out we had mutual friends. And she was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, you know, let's, let's, let's figure this out. So, um, I start going to Doc Street every day four times a week, I guess, you know, from nine to like four, just drinking and learning and you know, sweeping up and you know they pull out the whiteboard and teaching me about ABV and teaching me about IBUs and all of that stuff. And I'm like, all right, this is cool. And tasting a bunch of beers and like developing the palate to, you know, then create, you know, some flavor profiles. Uh, we had a pineapple infused, a mango infused and a lemon thyme infused IPA. So we set up the tasting, invited a bunch of people through, had a flight. Everybody tasted them. You said which ones they liked the best. They voted and a pineapple infused IPA won. So there came nice things IPA. So that was 2016 and it was just on draft and it kept selling out super quick. Every time they brew it. A, a batch to sell out quick so they brew a bigger batch next time but it'll sell out probably quicker because more people know about it now so they're like all right we got something here let's go to distribution let's go into cans I'm like bet so now we got the cans now i'm on the can riding the shark yeah i mean yeah. through the city of philadelphia riding the shark where'd yeah. that come from uh we we did a flip on their um their original logo their their staple beers this rye ipa is really good um so i'm like all right if this is going to be comparable to their staple or you know a a new staple for them I want to pay homage to what their original logo is so it's like this cowboy riding a shark through like the field or some random (laughs) shit so I flipped it put my face on it you know took his cowboy boots on put some Chuck Taylors on him you know the socks don't match like my socks never match um you know put the nice things watch on him he's riding a shark through the city of Philadelphia got the pineapples in his satchel like it's and it's me um that's got to be the most badass image i've ever seen. so dope i'm like yo i tra- I, I travel aquatically like that's yeah. how that's how we doing this but uh yeah so now we're up to the point where we got i think we're up to three brew dates a year so it's still like you know that uh it's special when the yeah. beer drops it's like a mad elf or something like that so a special occasion every time it is it, is nice things very cool
0: so You know, as you're describing the process that you went through to develop this beer, you know, it wasn't, like you said, you weren't just throwing your face on it. You were there almost full time, diving in, getting your hands dirty. And it's the same way you approached, you know, building your rap career as well. You did it yourself. You got your hands dirty. And it also is how you've approached being an activist in Philadelphia. So how did it come to be that you sit in on city hall meetings? Is that right?
1: Yeah, I'm the Philly Philadelphia Music Ambassador. Uh, I was dubbed that by Councilman David O. Uh, he brought me in to help on an initiative called PHL Live Center Stage. Uh, we're in like the fourth or fifth year coming up of that. And um, or we just finished the fourth year, I believe. Um, yeah, he just brought me in for insight, you know, kind of like as a, as a consultant. Um, I do a lot of consulting work anyway, so it was just like you know second nature. Like, all right, I'll come in, I'll help you formulate this. But um, through the ideas that I was bringing across, and you know, I, I, I walked in that building knowing, all right, I, I'm not here to just represent myself. They call me because they need to talk to everybody, but they can't talk to everybody at once. So I assumed that position right away as the the liaison between the city and the city. You know what I mean? The the artist. And, you know, the actual lawmakers and the entity of that is the city of Philadelphia. Um, but I, like I, it was natural. It was like, all right, I, I know I speak for them because I am them, you know, and I, I know I'm the greatest representation of what our artists should be. And also um, I know the, the the qualms that they all go through because I'm, I'm going through them right now. So this is the shit we got to fix. This is stuff we got to do. Coming to you, you know, as I am, I ain't doing that. Now. I ain't coming in a suit unless I felt like wearing a suit that day. But if I felt like wearing a sweatsuit, I'm coming in a sweatsuit to yeah. City Hall and we're going to talk to city council that day. They appreciated that. So um, I was just always like a, a olive branch for them, to, uh, like a conduit to, to the city. Um, what kind of issues are you working on? Simple stuff um, that other cities have that we don't, but we're like, like I say, a music mecca. So why don't we? So simple stuff like loading zones, other cities, you can load your equipment out without getting a ticket. You can't park in front of some of these venues without getting a parking ticket. PPA is just monsters. Um, they're good at what they do. Yeah. Like they're the best at what they do. Bothering people. Oh uh, no. But, uh, yeah. So, so things like that, just passing legislation that, you know, other cities have, um, trying to work now nail on building a grant for our artists. Um, they have something in, in Canada where like, you know, a lot of these artists that blew up out of Canada, their music is funded from the city. Like music is, a, is an export of Canada. It's one of the top exports of Canada. Like, you know, they, but tourism rises because we're putting out these artists, we're putting out this music. Now y'all going to come and, and see us. But I say it's an export because like they have conferences in Canada where it's big music conference. Only Canadian artists are performing, but people from around the world are invited. They come, they see, and then they book these artists back wherever they came from. So, you know, you go back home to, you know, L.A. or you go back home to the Netherlands or wherever you're at. You're like, I'm booking these Canadian artists. But that's all manufactured, not manufactured in a sense that it's fake, but it's like that's the plan. It's intentional. It's intentional. That's what I'm looking for. It's intentional. And it's funded by the city, by the country. We should have that. Toronto guy that we should have it, and so I'm working on building things, uh, uh, like things like that, bringing awareness to it, and then figuring out how we can do it here in Philly. Um, so yeah, I, it just came natural, you know, at, from from my first meeting at City Hall. It was just like, all right, this is, this is the guy. Let's 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 name him the ambassador, and let's let's figure out everything from there. So from there, we've started the music industry task force. Um, it's made up of like I think it's 15 of us on a board of like music industry professionals, um, working, current working professionals in the in the industry, venue owners. Um, it's like a, a table, like a ventures type table. Um, and all of us collectively know what this city needs. Um, and if we don't know f- for sure from us, we can get it from someone. So it's a good representation of like everything.
0: All right, so if I could just throw a couple rapid-fire questions, okay. which is actually—that's kind of a dumb name because they don't have to be rapid answers, but it's just stuff that I kind of ask. You know, these. i gonna talk a
1: little bit faster, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You're to
0: answer it faster, you can. Yeah, cool. time's up. <laughs> oh. um, so, what would be a common misconception that people have about you?
1: Uh. I don't know. It's hard to to misconstrue anything about me because I'm such an open book. Like if you listen to the music, or you follow me on any social network, or if you have been around me, you know everything about me right then. Like I'm, it's not that deep with me. Like I'm, I'm, you know, pretty. You know, I got my moments, but I'm pretty surface, pretty much. Surface. And to the point that I'm saying, like everything's on the table. Not saying I'm not a deep intellectual, whatever, whatever. I am that that's known from the jump. Like all of my stuff is, is, is pretty transparent. So I think the most, the biggest misconception is that I got, I'm hiding something that I got something to hide, that there's more. It's like, I'm giving you everything.
0: The biggest mis- misconception is that there is, a there misconception.
1: is a misconception. Yeah. I'm giving you everything. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest challenge facing Philadelphia these days? Philly artists. And I'll, I'll speak for the, for the hip hop community. Um, maybe a couple other artist communities, we got a lot to unlearn about how to succeed. Um, I don't think we've adapted fully the strength in numbers attitude. Um, The, you know, you see the hashtags Philly support Philly. Yeah, but not really, like not all the time, not fully. I mean, it's cool to say, but it's even cooler to really do. So I think... um, that's something we, we really need to work on, like that unity. And that, you know, not not unifying in the city and behind closed doors, but like being verbal about the unity, being verbal about who you really bang with, who you really are co-signing and, you know, things like that. And, and being consistent in that as well. Support all the time, not just when it's convenient um, for what's going on with you. Because in a sense, it's always going to benefit you to put on for your city. Um, you know, whatever you do is if if we're all doing better, we're all doing better. If somebody's doing better, than, you know, when when the Eagles won, and you know they they didn't just keep it to themselves. They played Meek's music for for the for the entrance. So now Meek is eating off of that. You know they're bringing people with them. We can learn a lot from that. And you know it might it might have took something as big as a Lombardi Trophy to to make us aware of that um but like i said in in an artist community it might even dive deeper into it's a cultural thing as far as hip-hop um like that culture you know we don't we don't uplift enough so yeah i I just think we got a lot to unlearn as far as how to attain success and understanding that there is there's strength in numbers and you know that that cliche is is legit the rising tide raises all boats there you go, there you go. That's good. That's definitely something you
0: see a lot of. That the hashtag Philly, what was it? Philly. It's Philly support Philly. Philly support Philly. Yeah. yeah, and then you're like, well, yeah, you're on Instagram, but why weren't you at the event? You know, right, right, who, right, who right. are you supporting specifically? Right, that's good. Um, other than just words of encouragement, if you could send a message to yourself, like in your dad's basement, or even you know before that, your mom's basement,
1: would you? And if you would, what would you say? Yes, I would. And I would tell myself simply do it now. So much, so many ideas that I've had and I just didn't act on them right away. I was saving them for the right moment. And oh, I can't do this until I got the right fan base. And when I get to this tier, then I'll implement this game plan. And some some things I never got a chance to do. And then I see other artists do them and doing with less resources than I had when I wanted to do them. And just as effective and it's like yo I should have just pressed the button like so I would I would tell myself and that's something you know I've learned in life and learned you know through catching my bumps or whatever but my conversations with Tide, we were speaking about Tide before um but for the podcast with Tide Carmichael um he's the ultimate push the button type boy like right away I'll give him an idea he's like all right what's the first step what's the first thing we have to get done? to you know make it but let's act on that first step during the inception of the idea because once you get to working on it you can't stop then it can stop at the idea because you're trying to figure out the first step but if you just like all right i want to i hit him up by the idea about throwing the first fridays at la cologne we should throw a concert first fridays boom 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 all right coming for a meeting two o'clock we set the whole whole thing up just like that like pressing a button, like. Do it now so if i if i told myself anything i wouldn't i wouldn't tell myself like you know watch out for this or nothing specific but just do it do it now yeah uh listeners want to follow what you're up to why would they want to do that <laughs> no uh, you follow me on everything at chill Moody, uh spelled exactly how it sounds ChillMoody.com. twitter instagram facebook uh soundcloud all of that just type in chill moody see what happens and the beer is at nice things ipa the label is nice things music nice things is all lowercase no spaces uh the band we are and more the group is called and more but the instagrams and everything are we are and more myself and don t um but yeah just type in chill moody wherever For
0: all the links to follow up on Chill and more and nice things, you can head over to podphillywho.com forward slash chill. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and give it five stars on iTunes. If you'd like to follow along on Twitter and Instagram, you can do so at podphillywho. Music by Lee Rosevere. Artwork by Lauren Carhart. A very special thanks to Danielle Lindo and of course to Chill Moody. For Philly Who, my name is Kevin Schmidlin. See you next week.